Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how the story sausage is made. On this show we have three central planks to our writing manifesto. Plank the first to help you write more, plank the second to help you write better and plank the third to help you be a little bit happier. As you do those things to that end, I sometimes get guests on the show to talk about writing and their experience of writing. Maybe they're authors, maybe they work in publishing, maybe they are just interesting people who can tell us about the business of making stories. Sometimes I get listeners' first pages and I look at them and I suggest ways they could be made better. And sometimes I just talk about writing and my own experiences as an author, as a person, as an enthusiastic end user of a human brain and eyes with which I read and ears with which I listen to audiobooks because there are many ways to consume stories. Hi, this episode is going to be a writing ramble, which are the episodes that are not edited and not planned and they are just me talking to you via the microphone about what's going on for me and about my thoughts about writing and they're a little bit more free form you might think of them as kind of b-sides in terms of the podcast output they also just allow me to squeeze in podcast episodes around my admittedly not busy schedule that would be a lie for me to say that my I'm so important that I can't fit episodes in writing and recording them. I just struggle with organising myself to do them in a timely manner. I mean, I have stuff to do, but I'm not doing that as well. I just find things generally difficult, if I'm being honest. And I really like doing the podcast and I'm really hoping, and I don't want to start off by making a bunch of hand-wringy promises. I I, I like doing all the different styles of episodes. I I really want to send off some emails to just do some more, set up some more interviews because I like talking to authors. I I really like talking about writing. And those are always ones where I, not that I don't learn a little bit by talking through a topic because inevitably I have to break down what I'm thinking about and uh, in doing so I refine my insight into the topic a little bit at least right or or, or discover that I don't know as much about it as I thought I did that's a concept called the uh, illusion of explanatory depth where there were a lot of people of us I say people, I'm one of those. I fit under that umbrella category. I'm a person. Um, A lot of us believe that we know a topic better than we actually do because we're rarely called upon to actually explain the topic. And a good way to make someone conscious of how little they know about something is, is, is simply to ask them to explain that topic, which is why it's so frustrating being a parent. Because, and I, uh, I'm being sort of slightly facetious, but my daughter will ask me questions about stuff. And I, you know, I've tried to make her be fairly honest about saying when I don't know. I was, That's a really good question. We'll have to look it up. Um, inevitably, when I do either know or do look it up, I manage to relay the information in such a tedious way that my daughter loses interest and a certain light goes out inside her zest for knowledge is somewhat killed but anyway i i want to get 
um i enjoy doing episodes where i'm talking through topics and I, sometimes i have to research them to be able to talk about those questions and so i do learn stuff but i just like having guests on the show as well because it's nice i'm probably like constitutionally you wouldn't know it to hear me talk to you now but a little bit shy and a little bit awkward and a little bit hand ringy and i do definitely get social hangovers from doing those episodes as well where i feel a bit like oh gosh I think that person hated me. I feel incredibly gauche. They've probably gone away loathing me. And I'm not even... not. I'm not even joking. That's not an exaggeration. I do think, well, that person obviously thought I was an idiot. And then you try and say, well, if they did, then that's fine. That's fine if they do. Uh, uh, but that's that's my experience of doing those. So I do find them a bit tiring, if only just because I feel nervous which of course is completely neurotic and i i try not to actually tell people on the show that i worry that they don't they, that they disliked me or i offended them in some way because that's a lot to put on people isn't it and then of course it is actually in fact quite tiring to be around someone who's constantly going am i okay are you angry at me you know at some point you've got to go oh, i I do, to be honest, I do feel slightly like I'd like a bit of a break from me. Anyway, so I want to talk about I want, as much as these writing rambles uh, sometimes circle around how I'm doing in myself and what it's like to be a person, because that's what writing is, isn't it? Is is really just us pinging around ideas of what it is to be people and trying to figure it out and trying to have this big, a great conversation with one another. And stories are a kind of technology for understanding what it is to be human and for hopefully making i mean i don't know like i would say i do still agree with my previous episode i did where i talked about how a certain element of being a writer is just embodying your own particular writing hot takes and leaning in hard to them and being okay with liking or even lo and loving stuff and being all right with disliking and even hating stuff going i, do I don't want to see any more stories of this type i'm sick of them i think if you're going to write a story it should be x i think that that's not a great way to be in life like i think as a reader it's good to be open-minded because you're going to be hit with more inspiration. You're just generally being less prejudiced and a little bit more epistemologically humble, maybe ideologically humble is the term. That openness to new experience and new ways of talking about what we do and just different types of stories is probably going to serve you well in terms of your personal growth and in terms of just your pleasure, right? You're going to discover new flavours, beautiful new flavours of story and writing. And if you think I'm the kind of person who doesn't like story type X, then that's a useful metric, right? As you, you, you don't waste a lot of time, it probably helps you winnow down the many, many opportunities there are in writing to, to read different types of book you go well I don't I, you know you have to have some kind of heuristic as a I, and this is one thing that I find 
I don't know. Am I the only one who finds it exhausting? I I, I used to go up and take solo shows to the Edinburgh Fringe. I did kind of like stand-up poetry shows and uh, one that was, I guess, what you'd call live literature. So it just was like stand-up but less funny. It was like me talking in lecture format. Try like trying to be. It was basically what I used to do was it was like I had an in real life YouTube channel, you know, deep dives they do on YouTube. Now well, I used to write entire shows that were that, but instead of people being able to access it from the internet in perpetuity, you'd have to pay to see me in a small room in Scotland. It was, I feel like I was, <laughs> I feel like I was slightly the thing that I liked to do. I, I was maybe slightly ahead of, not ahead of the curve, but just born too early, and uh, wasn't a great <laughs> wasn't wasn't a great deliberate delivery mechanism for what, especially since I used images and sound and video. Like I had to lug an entire screen into the venue, had to get a custom built cradle for my projector and hook my laptop up to it and do sound checks every it was yeah a different way of telling stories but um i i i think you know i i think where i was going with that was saying that you 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 get you get a sense of what you like and you don't like and i used to go through edinburgh and there's literally hundreds of people trying to fly you for shows Edinburgh Festival, if you include the Fringe, and there used to be the Film Festival on at the same time as well. The biggest arts festival in the world. And everywhere you looked, there was a poster for a show. Everybody was flyering you. There were shows on all the time. And if I was a better person, that would be so exciting. You could just... And it was in many ways. You could just dive in to this world of performance and creativity. I mean, how exciting. And actually thinking about it now, it feels exciting to me, right? Like you could go and see shows about almost anything in loads of different places. And if you were performing at a venue, you could go and see all of those shows for free as long as you just you just wait until 10 minutes before the show started. And if there was still spare tickets that hadn't sold you could say can i go and see this please and they'd say yeah and then you'd get a spare ticket you'd get a, a comp and you could go in and watch someone and, and 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 support them without costing them money because like as a performer you couldn't go and see shows all the time when you're up there because it was already costing you money anyway and i i i, I rarely did that because i just felt exhausted and i i, I you had to kind of come up with some heuristic for blocking out these or at least this was the way it felt to me blocking out these continual attempts to colonize your brain with come and see this come and see this piece of art come and see this come and see this theater show come and see this piece of dance come and see this stand-up show and 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 i found myself becoming this kind of crabbed closed off very grumpy man because or at least in my head because i just started looking around at stuff going that looks crap oh 
God. Why, why would... And, and, and just screening stuff. And I think this happens... This happened to me when I did my work experience at a, a short-lived magazine that was entirely devoted to books and book reviews. And when I've looked, when I look through public, was looking through publishers' uh, catalogues, right? So it would be all the books that they had coming out in the next season, the next six months. I think that was how it was done. I think it was six months. So this was like you, you get, you got them in physical form. So this is, I, I suspect that it's done more. It's all done on computers nowadays. I suspect people tend to flick through this in PDFs now rather than looking through the physical catalogues, although I'm sure that there are still physical printed versions. But like, I, and I would read through all the lists of books and I, you just start performing a little bit of triage because every book they're sort of breathlessly acclaiming as the most vital and important thing ever or captivating storytelling or a hilariously funny or some vital take on issue of the day x and a sort of cynicism and fatigue starts to set in and i i, I want to say like this is the you may not you may or may not have experienced this um as a book punter as a consumer of books but i think it, it depends on the sort of volume of blurb that you get exposed to because i don't really feel this way when i'm in a bookshop i don't go into a bookshop and think oh come on and and, and start to feel that jaded feeling of looking i am actually looking i don't know what it is when i go into a bookshop and i'm looking at all the different books on offer i suppose i'm kind of scanning for what i'm gonna pick you know i'm I'm kind of scanning for a it's like speed dating or being in a, a seedy club and looking for someone who catches your eye someone who's attractive you kind of go and you look through all the different book titles until you see something that looks cool and then you go oh and you kind of like approach and uh and have a look and, and read the blurb a little bit and you kind of start making these incremental steps of escalating intimacy with a book until eventually that contract is signed where you give some money over or take it out of the library if it you'll get in a library and and you've then committed to giving this book a reasonable little go. You know, you'll 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 read the first ten to 50 pages even if it's not super great uh you're you're invested in what the book and you're going to go you're invested in what the book's about and you're going to give it a little bit of a go and you're going to give it a chance to enthrall you before before giving up on it right you, you in fact maybe you flick through the couple of the first page or something like that and it there's something about it intrigues you you've you, you've been drawn in i don't feel that when i'm i suppose because Publishers' catalogues and the Edinburgh Fringe are not actually the thing itself. They are mimetic representations of the thing. They're adverts. But I just felt beleaguered by it. It made me feel a bit sad because, uh, you know, there's only so many pictures of someone you can see with their arms folded and on a 
bright a banana yellow background and the show's called will toffington is hopping mad and he's got some bunny ears on and he's looking he's looking glum and, he, and it's like that's juxtaposition that's funny juxtaposition because it's a comedy show but this person looks grumpy like it might be really really funny but just like a comedy comedy show posters are, all, are like mostly shit because that's not the medium that stand-up comedy operates in is it like what stand-up comedy is about is a person on stage establishing a rapport with an audience and then being funny in whatever status level their clown is like it's not about a funny title and a poster and and, and those show posters I just end up feeling really judgmental because I'm just that it feels like they're all nudging me and sort of digging me in the ribs going eh eh do you want to see this and I just feel like no I fucking don't piss off go away stop being so desperate and eager and the fact was I was like most of the times I've been in Edinburgh I've been there to perform myself well what was I I was exactly that part of that ecosystem and the thing is like I love live shows I, I sometimes find it difficult to be at them because of the way I'm wired and how I respond to being in an audience I and especially like post-pandemic I've really not been to see very much at all and I think also being a dad it's tricky for me to go I, I get nervous going out and I think I didn't acknowledge that for a long time I just thought I was a bad person that I wanted to sit at home uh, when I was performing I would just do my performances and then go home and sit in a sort of darkened room and read and be away from I, I I found going into the hubbub of the fringe was kind of like holding my breath it was like diving underwater and 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 cool you know and you know it, holding that analogy taking that analogy to its logical conclusion like diving underwater is cool I I did some subaqua for years it's a wonderful exciting dangerous exotic world but there's only so long you can hold your breath before you have to come up for air and that's how it felt to me and I felt like an awful hypocrite I felt like I was going into a space and saying look at me listen to me pay me attention and I will not do the same for you because I think I'm the only one worth listening to it's one of the reasons why I've always had a complicated relationship with the common advice read 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 that comes from authors where they say if you want to be a better writer you've got to read you've got to read you must read all the time read all the new books read things that came out this year you've got to read voraciously and widely and you must read new books it just I know what it feels like to not always feel like you've got the emotional or psychic capacity to do that, let alone the money. <laughs> but the and and the time, you know, I I I I hate things that exclude some people when those people are cool. Like obviously, 
if someone if people are assholes and you say well you know, could we maybe put some rules up that will stop assholes coming in and ruining everything for everyone that I'm, I'm okay with those exclusionary policies but this idea that you have got to have read a certain number of books and you've got to read at a certain volume and you have to have a certain knowledge of everything that's out it it just ends up i think making some people feel like they will never have done enough to be a proper writer they'll never be well read enough they'll never be au fait with whatever the the latest trending thing is because you have you read this book have you read that book no i haven't and you feel you're not part of it because you've got to be part of this grand conversation that's going on that really often is about kind of fashion and discourse and if if you if you need to know the publishing trends blah 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 well no you don't not to write maybe it helps a, a bit if you want to be published to do that dance but then publishing also you know publishers also print stuff by people who don't fit that at all don't fit that mold and I mean they just do so what are you gonna now what you know there are people who read older books and and still get published I, I don't know I just I just I just feel like if you have to be told and forced to read, 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 and you don't want to, you're not interested in doing it, then I'm not sure that forcing yourself to do it is going to really have much benefit from you except for making you feel guilty and, and, and kind of pushing you away from wanting to write. I think also if you, what's a good way to read more? Well, I think probably write you know it can get you interested in the problems and the mechanics of what it is to make a story and that can increase your appreciation of books if you want to in, if you want to become a better reader then i'd say write you know these two things can feed each other write 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 if you want to read better but we never say that we never say if you want to like appreciate what it is to put a sentence together write 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 go and write 50 poems and then come back and read uh, a selection of poets and, and have a look at what Sylvia Plath put together not just her anthologized stuff but you know some of her lesser known work as well some of her experiments with rhyme and, and you'll see stuff that you think is good and you'll also be able to pick out stuff where you think she's been hyperbolic or duff or she's hit a bum note because you'll be a better reader i i don't doubt that being a consumer of the medium that you want to work in will imp improve your skill at that medium but you are a consumer of that because you're literate like of course you are you read text all the time so what the fuck <laughs> like of course you have books in your house right right 
it's probably if you if you want to take an active role in improving your skill at writing prose fiction i would advise not just watching netflix shows but going and checking out books unless you want to write scripts and netflix shows in which case watch those um because otherwise but also but also people write people get published well fucking shit at putting a sentence together and it's not a barrier to getting published it is not it is manifestly not a barrier to getting published being shite at putting a sentence together you can be shit on the line and you can find tens of thousands hundreds of thousands sometimes millions of readers it is it is not actually a necessary condition of being a best-selling author to be good at style some of our best-selling authors are fucking crap on the line and maybe they have a reasonable sense of sort of putting plot together but it just seems ridiculous to me to pretend that there's something and it's this idea that there's something virtuous read 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 no there's not if you read 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 you have time to read 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 and that is a position of huge privilege you have the resources to read 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 I think reading, developing a love of reading must come from it not being coercive. Is there value in reading? Yes, but I don't think you should be doing it because you think it will make you a better writer. I think... I I think you can be... I want to be clear here. I think you can get a lot of benefits out of writing that don't necessitate you being any good at writing. Your ability to explore your feelings, to improve your ability to refine your thoughts and articulate yourself, to get things off your chest, to experience catharsis, to just engage in the joy of creation. When my daughter... I Because my... The room I'm recording this in is just a disgusting miser's cave of board games. Some still in the shrink wrap, but it's it. I cannot emphasize how bad it is. The number of games that are around me, and not all of them on the shelves, in piles, blocking my filing cabinets towering around me in a way that is almost like environmental storytelling if you came in this room in a game you would assume that the person who used it was in some way slightly poorly and that may not be miles from the the truth but i got in one of the games that came for me i uh it was loaded in polystyrene packing peanuts most games now come in uh just recyclable scrunched up brown paper which is a good step but this this was packed in uh polystyrene packing peanuts and um my daughter got excited she said are those packing peanuts so she's obviously had a a rich childhood full of opportunities 
that packing peanuts are so exciting to her. No, I'm really glad that she can find joy in small things because she was really delighted. And she has been playing with them and she's been getting out her pens and making packing peanut people. And she made a whole family of packing peanut people and she loaded them into her little plastic bus and was sending them on a little trip and she found it hilarious and uh, she made some at breakfast this morning and then asked me if I wanted one and I initially said no and that was the wrong answer so I said yes and she said which would you like and I said can I have that one she said no you can't and she walked off so it was all a it was a it was she sold me a dummy anyway I don't slap those packing peanuts out of her hands when she draws and says first you must study composition this how can you begin to do this without learning from some of the masters what right have you got to create you you need to have done a history of fine art degree before you're allowed to do this bollocks clearly not she's having a lovely time she's just having a great time she's just enjoying it the ability to create art and the ability to tell stories is part of the birthright of being a human being and it's something we do all the time without even thinking about it me relaying what i just told you there is was a story right human memory is in part narrative memory we have episodic and we have some kind of visual memories and stuff like that but humans we chunk our memories into meaningful narratives this is just how our brains are wired you don't need to go to waterstones and spend 60 quid buying x number of contemporary books that agents and editors will tell you you need to read because that's what they're selling at the moment and that's almost entirely what they read because they have to for their job so they don't really have the time to go and read the classics anymore they don't they don't really get that joy to go back and read backlists and to hang out with their book club and read something from 25 years ago or 100 years ago or 200 years ago like i there's no point reading and reading and reading unless you are reading for joy or for curiosity or for an intrinsic drive to read because it brings you pleasure there's no point forcing yourself and that's why i fucking hate that advice i i feel i feel like it sucked me in again that i've ended up doing an episode talking about this advice but i want to articulate why i don't like it to make it clear that i'm not against people reading voraciously what i'm saying is reading voraciously is not a moral virtue it doesn't make you better than people it doesn't make you more legitimate it doesn't confer a special legitimacy on you as a writer you can tell yourself that you can perform being a voracious reader but that is a form of snobbery not loving stories is not suggesting the entry to the world of writing is paid for in the coin of obsequious 
genuflections at the altar of reading is just bollocks. It's toxic bollocks. I'm sorry, that's my hot take. I... Don't let the tail wag the dog. Books are there to... They are our employees. They're not gods that need to be appeased. There is no point reading unless you love it, unless you're doing it for intrinsic reasons. If you're doing it because you think it's going to raise your status, if you're doing it because you feel like you have to, to be allowed to write you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you won't be able to sustain it because it'll be it'll it'll become miserable work why you can write is read is because you read the first sentence the first paragraph and you go fuck what's going to happen next then it's effortless i did not have to sit down to read Piranesi by Susanna Clark. I did not me- I did not go right. The second that comes out, I'm fucking putting aside a day to read that book because I have to know for my job what it was like. No, I pre-ordered it because I was excited to read it because I like her work because every time I've read her work I've really enjoyed it and it landed on my mat and I ripped it open and I went, "Shit. It's here." And I went upstairs and I sat on the bed and I started reading it and I I didn't stop. And I sacked off a bunch of work that day and I finished it in a single sitting. And it was easy. I didn't have to sit there going, read, read, read. Because I wasn't doing it for them. I was doing it for me. I was doing it because I cared about that particular story at that particular time. When I read all the thousands of pages of non-fiction I have to for when I'm working on my own non-fiction books. I do that because I'm intrinsically motivated, because I'm curious and because I care about the answers, not because I think, well, I better, I better do this to please other people, to please those people who say in seminars, read, read, read. That's bollocks. I have not... I, I, I have occasionally, when I when I was working on the honours, I, I, I did go and seek out books that were from the 1930s uh, because I felt like I wanted to get a taste, a kind of the equivalent of a book of carpet samples of like the voice of the time. Whenever I tried to read a book because I felt I should, because it had like dealt with the same thing, like a contemporary, a contemporary-ish novel, a more modern novel set in 1935 or in that era I just had a fucking miserable time I hated them I knew why I was reading them because I felt I ought to and they were they were dire and they were a chore and I nearly gave up and that felt like work but every time I've read because I want to like when I go and read when I, I read a bunch of you know 1920s 1930s pulp a lot of which now is in the public domain. Uh, so you can just get it off places like Project Gutenberg. And I'd load it up onto my e-reader. These free sort of pulp novels, adventure novels. And just have a lovely time. 
just have a really great time reading about platinum smugglers or opium rings and and you know uh, clearly a lot of that content is rather problematic now not all of it not all not all of it at all um some doesn't turns out to be it turns out people could write things at the time without being intrinsically racist but it was just cool i just got to read a bunch of adventures i i've read so many books that i and i've really enjoyed i didn't read them to impress anyone i read them because i liked them and, and and that's as soon as you free yourself from feeling like there's books that you have to read you ought to read you must read widely in the genre you want to write no you must read what you like or not read at all you don't have to do f- what do you mean i must i don't have to do anything you fucking say imaginary adversary i i i, I owe you absolutely nothing don't tell me what to do and that's what i feel you should feel which is read precisely what you'd like to read what sparks joy if you will and uh, and not a thing more fuck them are they paying you no then they can get to fuck are they gonna audit your reading list when your book comes out no they can piss off then There's just no point eating the stinky broccoli of books that are worthy that prove you're a real writer so you can get to the lovely Smarties coloured covered ice cream of the pudding which is you writing your own book now I, I happen to like broccoli that wasn't a dig on broccoli broccoli fans I have ate some broccoli yesterday and the day before and I didn't eat any Smarties coloured ice cream so the jokes covered ice cream so the jokes on you it was just an analogy calm down what I'm saying is god when we operationalize when we instrumentalize when you instrumentalize reading, you fucking kill reading as a joy. That's the bo- that's the bottom line. And if you kill it as a joy, it is not no longer intrinsically pleasurable. It becomes harder to do. You will read less. Or you will exhaust yourself while doing it and you'll have less energy. Both of which do not help you in your career as a writer. If you want to write, you will probably be a better writer if you read but if you want to write you probably read already if you simply want to tell stories and 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 you are approaching fiction writing prose fiction because it seems like it has the lowest barrier to entry i would sort of gently nudge you and say are you sure that this is the medium you are most suited to you know if you're watching lots of cartoons do you want to write scripts for cartoons, actually? Like, because that's the medium you're most drawn to, in which case, maybe go down that route instead. It's not, it, you don't, just, it's not that you should get better at writing by reading and reading and reading, and also because you don't have to be good at it. You're allowed to write and be shit at it. 
That doesn't actually lock you out of most of the joys and benefits of creating your own story at all. It, that's what I think, right? I think... What horrible, horror! Like you, there. And some people, and I think maybe some of the advice comes from people who, for whom it just is natural, right? They are writing in a genre that they love, that they read a lot in, because they love that genre. There will be people who write crime fiction, who love crime fiction, who read loads, who then say, "Oh, do you want to? You know, how did I get?" you know, get my head around writing this? Well, I read loads of crime fiction because I love it. And then I get lots of ideas and I get ideas as I read other people's stuff and I have my own ideas. And I then started writing. And as I wrote, I would like look at the stuff I was reading as well and go, well, how did they solve this problem when they try to describe, you know, someone entering a room, you know, something as mundane as that, which I struggle with as an author. Just simple things i can look at the books i'm reading or take a book down on my shelf and go how did this author or other people have already solved this problem how have they approached this stylistically how did they structure it you can look at the books around you and check this kind of thing and and, and i can understand how you would then turn to other people and go so you should just read 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 you should read more but it misses out the step that you're you were only reading because you were intrinsically motivated to because you loved it you know, I've got friends who write in particular genres who I think they're good at it because they genuinely love that genre. Like, they genuinely care about it. They haven't just cynically... It might be a popular genre, but they haven't just cynically seen a gap in the market and gone, well, I'll I'll just knock out one of these. They've read loads in the crime or thriller or romance genre. And they... And they dig it. They like it. They, they they like reading those things. They would read them if they weren't writing them. And then they go ahead and write them. But no one said to them, read, read, read. No one said you have to sit down and do a bunch of reading. They were doing that because they cared about it. You you can't add this extra stage of, of just imposing reading by fiat. I mean fiat as in command, not fiat the car don't think there was anyone maybe i don't know how many people in my audience know that fiat is you've heard the term fiat currency it's not a car-based car tim stop it see i'm not even smart enough to make these kind of asides because actually that was as far as my understanding of the etymology of fiat goes and then i have to look up stuff on dictionary.com and then pretend I'm an etymologist. Well, actually, the Latin root of this, it's like, it's, I, I just I don't have a I don't have a de- degree in well, I do have a degree in English literature. I, I actually do, but that doesn't give me any knowledge of etymology at all. I just go on dictionary.com and read what they say, and then pretend I speak Latin like a twat. But that's what that's all I really want to say. It's just I. By the way, I'm at the moment just in the process of hopefully locking down confirmation of what my next book's going to be with my publisher that's quite exciting i'm looking forward to sort of finishing it off this year and also embarking on some new fiction but it's a non-fiction book um 
But I just I just want to it's a new year as I record this and I just want you to not try and bludgeon yourself into doing some stuff you think writers ought to do because it doesn't work in the same way saying I've got to write X amount of work a day I should write more what you need to do is incentivize yourself to care about these things why should you why should you be doing stuff you don't fucking like for whom is this self-denial oh but it'll be good for me oh but I crave wanting to be a writer if you want to be a writer well I don't think that's a great goal you know Try and try going for. I I'd like to experience more happiness in my life, and then and then see and then and then seek out the activities that in, enhance that. You know. Oh, I'll only feel good about myself when I've written X number of words in the day. Well, can we just? What would you like to write about that would make it difficult for you not to sit down and write? And then how can we ease your fears that you're going to fuck it up that might genuinely stop you doing that? But like, how can we make this as pleasurable for you as possible? How can we make it an engaging flow state that is your happy place? So you're sitting there pootling away, boom, 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 tapping out these words because you just want to find out what happens next. Then you don't have to whip yourself into it. Then you don't have to say, oh, I'm, I'm so lazy. So you don't have to struggle and strain to perform. Then you don't have to give yourself a reading challenge or whatever because you'll just read because you care about it because you'll be picking it down off the shelf. You'll want to, it'll be like a big old plate of cheese and grapes just sitting there with some crackers beside it and you won't be able to help just leaning across and taking another piece because you want to. Right? That's it's like, why... Why? What the fuck? Why do we have these discourses in writing about how you should write more or you should read more? Like, maybe the problem isn't you. Maybe writing needs to be more appealing. How is it serving you? And maybe the books need to be better or we need to find some books that you care about. Why should it be you hammering yourself into a societally acceptable shape upon the anvil of bullshit twitter discourse or whatever's going on why can't we go well how can we make this irresistible to you and fun and exciting and engaging and something that makes your brain fizz and makes you want to flap your hands with this silly giddy excitement why not that why is that something you don't deserve and of course we have to like work in discipline and uh routine to keep us going you know when we have those bits of anxiety and disengagement and we want to keep ourselves going i'm not suggesting that it is realistic that every day we write, we are burning with the zeal of an apocalyptic preacher on a soapbox in the park, possessed with the urgent 
revelatory news that the world is about to end. We have mornings that are more work-like, you know, more workman-like. Sometimes I've, you know, sometimes I have to transcribe an interview, an audio interview I've done. That is not inherently fun work to me although it's often very very i do often do get excited as i'm doing it because there'll be stuff in it that i forgot was said that i'll go that's a really good thing it will often get my brain going but it's not something that i sit down initially excited to do and i have to sort of say to myself this is going to lead good places let's give it 10 minutes of work and get started because i my prediction is it's going to be less fun for me than it actually will be so those are my thoughts, really. It's it's another call from old Timmy C to turn away from self-denial and embrace self-indulgence in 2023. Because I think therein lies intrinsic motivation and you start to unlock some of your true power and then you start going, wow, I'm, I can do this. I can do this. Oh my God, I can do this, is what I think. If you've enjoyed this episode and you would like to support me as an author, there's links to my some of my books in the show notes, in the show description of today's episode, including my latest, Coward, How We Get... Why We Get Anxious and What We Can Do About It. That's the name of it, isn't it? Yeah, which is my fun little non-fiction book about my experiences with anxiety and panic attacks and exploring the science of them and the history of how they're studied and how we talk about uncertainty and things like that. So if you enjoyed this episode, you will probably enjoy that book. And there is an audiobook version of it as well. Also, um, if you want to support the show, you can drop me a few beans via my coffee page that is ko-fi.com forward slash tim claire just helps me keep the lights on pay for hosting costs etc there's a link to that as well in today's show notes and finally if you want to send me the first 250 words of your prose fiction for me to look at on a future episode you can do that by going to my website timclairepoet.co.uk forward slash no, there's no forward slash there. You just click on the contact me link and you can email me directly. Um, We do have a show, Death of a Thousand Cuts Discord server, where you can go and chat with other writers, share, work. It's pretty chill. The people there seem like good eggs. Uh, There's a link to that in the show notes as well. So when I said the final thing was final, it wasn't final. I lied to you. I, I am the master of deceit. I'm the topsy-turvy lord of misrule i am a capering jester skipping and cackling on the parapets of naughty castle anyway i'm gonna leave now because uh i think i've outstayed my welcome thank you for listening and from the bottom of my heart perhaps even a little bit deeper i wish you a wonderful week of writing.